You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What is good, everybody? Welcome to the Off Day Debrief, part of the SB Nation NFL show. I am Rob Stats Guerrera. He is Brandon Lee Gowden. What's up, BLG? Stats, I want to flip the question back to you and ask, how great is it for you that you get to spend another week with me here on the best podcast on the SB Nation NFL show? I was so pumped yesterday when the Eagles made this trade. I wanted to hit you up right away because I was like, I need to know BLG's thoughts on this trade. But then I wanted to leave you alone because I know you had to do plenty of stuff for Bleeding Green Nation. So I can't wait to get your thoughts on everything. Plus, we're going to explore the Saints side of things with Catherine Terrell from The Athletic. But before we get to that, we want to remind you that we are brought to you by the DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app today and use code SBNNFL for a special offer when you sign up. That is code SBNNFL only at DraftKings. All right, let's not waste any more time, BLG. I was confused about the Saints side of this when I heard the news because it didn't quite make sense to me. So I wanted to talk to somebody that knows way more about it than me. So we're very pleased and privileged to talk with Catherine Terrell from The Athletic. You cover the Saints, Catherine. Good morning. Thank you for the time. Good morning. How are you guys doing? I'm doing good. I know BLG's doing good. I can see the <laughs> smile on his face. Just simply, like, why did the Saints do this? Well, it is kind of funny because I was about to go on a podcast yesterday where I was going to do, like, a mock draft pick and explain the Saints' uh, way of thinking. And, you know, the person who on the podcast was joking, you know, I'm going to try to talk you into trading up. And I was like, ah, I probably won't in this mock, but you know, the Saints, they love trading up. So wouldn't be surprised if they did something like that. And then like literally five minutes later, this happened. So uh, I guess the only surprise was that they did it so early. Like it's weird to see this type of trade happen way before the draft. Cause it's kind of like you're showing your hand, but you know, the Saints love trading up. They almost never trade down. I think they haven't, well, they haven't done it in a long time, unless I just totally blanked out on last year and something that happened. But under Sean Payton, they almost never did it. Um, so this tells me, you know, they're trying to improve their offense, I think, is what's going on. Because all of their free agent acquisitions basically have been on defense. So it tells me they're trading back in the first round to, to get someone on offense. Now, I guess the logical explanation is that's a quarterback. I don't think so, although you never know. Um, but they desperately need a wide receiver, and now they have to replace Tron Armstead. So I'm kind of thinking that they want to do this now because they've been saying they want to scale back their massive free agency spending and kind of get their salary cap back on track. So maybe getting some guys under rookie contracts is their way to do it. I, I don't know, but I am fascinated. I can tell you that. 
So, uh, Catherine, you mentioned you don't necessarily think it might be the quarterback, um, but I think the interesting thing that a lot of people seem to be wondering about this move is if there's another shoe to drop further. And as we all know, the Eagles themselves actually made two moves up to get Carson Wentz back in 2016. I think they were originally at 13. They made the trade up to eight, and they leaped from eight to number two. So uh, are the Saints putting themselves potentially in a position here to move up even further this year? That wasn't my first inclination, but a lot of people said that, you know, if they are moving up for a quarterback, it would probably have to be another move coming because even where they're sitting now, there's no guarantees they get a quarterback. And it would just be interesting to do it in this draft class because I feel like this quarterback class has been so panned. It's like you're, you're going to move up for a quarterback this year. But then again, they, ha- they gave away their first round pick next year. So uh, what are they doing if they decide that Jameis Winston isn't the answer? And they clearly aren't sold on it because they only gave him a two-year deal. So, yeah, everything you know would automatically say that, but I, I don't know. Um, I really don't know, but I, I don't think that there's another move coming from them to move up because they've already showed their hand so early but I you know I could be completely wrong just in general to me it feels kind of like the Saints are trying to make a Big Mac without the special sauce Dennis Allen is still here P. Carmichael is still here. Jameis Winston is coming back like they're keeping everything the same except they don't have Sean Payton And if you try to make a Big Mac without the special sauce, you just have a hamburger. Am I crazy thinking that? Or do you think this is going to work out for the Saints? Well, you did probably watch that game they played against the Bucs when Sean Payton wasn't there. Now, they did win, but it was also the most painful offense I've ever had to watch (laughs) in my life outside of the other game where half the players had COVID, um, which was also really painful to watch. So I'm, I'm hoping it's not like that next year uh, because that would make for a long season. But, you know, I think you have a great point. Um, we keep joking, you know, I feel like the Saints are like trying to run it back to, I don't know, like, well, I guess 2009 would be the logical answer, but there's no Drew Brees. But yeah, it, it kind of is this big question. Like, okay, you don't have Sean Payton. You don't have Drew Brees. You don't have the, the magic man who, who made this offense run. And you don't have someone special coming in to – to fix that so like where are you going and I don't know maybe uh how getting Michael Thomas back makes a big difference but I, I I don't know I will say that I thought Jameis actually did play very well until he got hurt so I would like to see what Jameis does with the full year and with Michael Thomas but I still don't think that it's all of a sudden gonna change things in some immense way unless they just get some stud in the draft um, and it does, that doesn't have to be a quarterback, but they, they definitely need a few more playmakers. So you kind of already touched on it a little bit, Catherine, but kind of want to drill it down a little bit more. I know there's definitely Eagles fans listening to this who are like, okay, going to be rooting hard against the Saints in, well, this year and next year, obviously, with uh, and in 20. So this year uh, coming because of the 2023 first round pick and then the next season with the 2024 second round pick going to Philly as well. Uh, not that Eagles fans didn't already have motivation and reasons to root against the Saints. But, um, okay, so the the over-under win total for the Saints in 2022 is 7.5. Do you think you'd feel more comfortable taking the over or the under on that? I, I honestly probably still say the over. Um, this year, coming into the season, I said the Saints were a middle-of-the-road team. Um, just based on everything I saw, I know a lot of people thought once Drew Brees was gone, the team was just going to plummet, but it actually does have 
have a really good, good foundation. They have a very good defense. So I still see them as a middle-of-the-road team. So, you know, probably right around where they were this year. They're not – they lost some pieces, so I think they're not as good. But I still think they could be in that, in that middle. I mean, this team almost made the playoffs. You know, had it not been for the COVID Dolphins game, um, I think they probably would have. But – that that over under sounds about right though it, it it makes sense to me but i'd probably still take the over by it a little bit i don't know if that makes eagles fans feel better but i'm not sitting here saying hey they're gonna be great this year but i, I kind of don't feel like it's shifted too much um downwards but it, there's so much unknown about like what dennis Allen can do a second time around and that's exactly where i wanted to go next We've seen coaches do much better in their second time as head coaches. It's not an unheard of thing. When I look at Dennis Allen's career record and I see eight and 28. Now I know it was with the Raiders and that has where coaches have gone to die for a long time. <laughs> but what, what has happened with Dennis Allen to give Saints fans hope that this time is going to be different or better? I think it's just the, the structure in place. I mean, we're making jo- jokes about running it back, but I, I think that he is, theoretically learned a lot about how to be a coach from coming back and sitting behind a successful coach. I mean, it's a, it's a very stable team to work for. It has good ownership. The front office kind of, you know, lets the coaches do what they want, uh, you know, looking at Sean Payton and all, all those years. So I think you'd look at, Hey, the core of this team is still here. The, the really good defense is still here. So um, Allen kind of just takes what was already in place and runs with it. But I think, as we were talking about, the big question is when you don't have the mastermind behind the offense, how does that work? Now, they did keep offensive coordinator Pete Carmichael, and he's actually done a very good job calling plays over the years. Had extremely successful in 2011 when he called the plays for most of the season after Sean Payton broke his leg. But again, you know, Payton was still there. Reeves was still there. So that's different. But I think Carmichael has had success as a play caller. It just kind of, it's a big question as, all right, well, how does he do when he's on his own without Sean? So the pieces are there. I I think that you could see it as a continuation. Um, But, you know, the question is really, has he learned? Has he learned uh, as a coach and, you know, as a person and grown up? He was 39 when he took that Raiders job. He's almost 50 now. Um, So I think, you know, people, coaches can do well in their their second stint. There's been a lot of success stories, but... uh, I think we're just going to have to wait and see on this one. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, I think Dennis Allen kind of – I'm willing to give him more of a chance maybe than some are stats. I've said that to you before. I think he's been a really good (laughs) defensive coordinator. Um, I'm interested to see. I I think there's genuinely could be some optimism. That's not one of the things I look at at the Saints right now and be like, as from an Eagles perspective, and like that's a huge weakness. It's a question mark, but it's not like, uh, you know, as bad as some other things are. But last one for me, Catherine, um, before we go here, I just wanted to put a bow on this whole conversation. And if you can grade this trade from the Saints perspective, um, what would you give it? That's tough because I feel like everyone was all over the place. I think, I don't know. It, it depends on what they, you know, want out of it. I, B minus. I, I think they did give up oh. a lot, um, but I don't. I don't see. I don't know. It's so hard to grade these trades right away, and I know people make a habit of doing it. But even on Twitter, you had half the people saying that Vicky Loomis got fleeced, and you had the other half saying it was an even trade. So. Um, I'm putting myself in the middle and, and giving it like an average tier, like B, B minus. I, I guess, well, it depends on what happens next year. Uh, and if they have a high, they're high in the, if they would have been high in the draft order or low. 
Yeah, we, it's hard to evaluate now because there's so much unknown with all the picks. But uh, my first reaction was I felt like Howie Roseman got one over on Mickey Loomis. But we'll find out. Either way, yeah, we'll Catherine, see. we thank you very much for the time. You can follow her on Twitter at cat underscore tarot covers the saints for the athletic. Thank you. And hopefully we can do it again soon. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. All right, BLG. I can't wait to dive into the Eagle side of this with you. Like <laughs> I'm so excited. I, I thought that Catherine did a great job explaining it from the Saints side of it. But the more I looked at it, the more I thought, I think the Eagles killed them. <laughs> I want to get your breakdown. When we come back, we'll get into all that and some winners and losers of the trade too. Back here on the off-day debrief. All right. I don't know how you've contained yourself so far, BLG, but we got to dive into the Eagles side of this Saints trade because I think that Howie Roseman fleeced Mickey Loomis. Like, if if I was a GM and I saw my phone ringing and I saw Howie Roseman's name call up on the caller ID, I wouldn't even answer it. Howie Roseman has a lot of faults. The dude knows how to make draft trades, man. He absolutely does. And we didn't say it, so that's my bad. The Saints... Got pick 16, pick 19, and pick 194, which is a sixth-round pick. The Eagles got 18 in the first round, 101 in the third, and 237 in the seventh, plus a first-rounder in 2023, plus a second-rounder in 2024. Like, what kind of voodoo was Howie working in this one? Howie is really good when it comes to trades for as critical as I've been of him. And I've maybe criticized him once or twice uh, in the past year. <laughs> once or twice? Just one or two times. I mean, this is something I've never like had an issue with and ever like, doubted him with because he's, he's legitimately great at understanding value. And I think you kind of maybe even look at how Howie Roseman rose, uh, for lack of a better term, in the NFL. And it's because he's incredibly persistent. And I almost feel like he's doing the same thing with these GMs where he's like, come on, let's do this trade. Come on. Like he keeps bringing them offers. And they're like, at some point, they're just like, fine. Or there's whatever. We'll do it. Um, I almost feel like he pesters them into doing it or something because, uh, I mean, part of it, I think, too, to Howie Roseman's credit, is he's identifying GMs who aren't necessarily great or maybe might be whatever fine, <laughs> but desperate, like in the case of the Saints, and is taking advantage of that desperation because. Again, I don't really get this deal a ton from the Saints side, and I'm not super concerned about that as someone who covers the Eagles. But right. from the Eagles' perspective, it's like a no-brainer. Why would you not do this deal? Um, like, what is the downside? The downside, I guess, is the Saints have an awesome year, and then you're getting, you know, a, a lower return uh, for the 2023 draft. But like, okay, it's still a first round, and you're still getting the second the next year. The Eagles still have five picks in the top 101. Like that's pretty good this year. They only moved down, or you could look at this, they moved up the one spot. It's funny, actually, both of the Eagles picks in the first round stats are like right before the Saints. So 16, or sorry, 15 above 16 and 18 above 19. So it's, they're still like above the Saints at those two spots individually, which is just kind of like a funny wrinkle to it. Um, so it's not like they're necessarily even going to potentially miss out on uh, who they want to the team they just traded with. So uh, I think it's a no-brainer deal for the Eagles. You had, I, I said this, like the moment the season ended, uh, the 2021 season ended, the Eagles had to trade one of their first-round picks this year for a first-round pick next year because what is your plan if Jalen Hurts doesn't work out? Like there's no pivot if you use all your picks this year and then, oh, well, too bad, they're all gone. And now next year, Jalen Hurts isn't the guy, but we don't have that extra pick to work with. So they did what needed to be done. And I want to give Howie credit. He's one of the biggest winners from this trade because 
uh, Jimmy Kemsky, my good friend who I co-host uh, BGN Radio with on the Bleeding Green Nation podcast network, he did a post on Monday, kind of funny timing, where if you look at the precedent of teams trading back in the first round, especially as late as the Eagles were, like around that 15, 16, 19 spot, there isn't a great track record of those teams being able to move down and get that future first. Like that's not a very super common thing that happens. So for Howie to pull this off, it's a great job by him. Yeah, I thought that I agreed with you. There was It would make no sense for the Eagles to make the three first-round picks this year. I always thought they were going to try and get a pick for next year. Because even if, like you said, like everyone says, oh, well, let's build around Jalen Hurts. Let's say, for example, the Eagles took two wide receivers and a tight end, for just for the sake of this right. argument. If Jalen Hurts stinks, it doesn't matter. <laughs> like So just you had to do something to parlay those into a future first-round pick, and they did that, and it's a good job by them. The only part of this that I kind of disagree with is like, oh, now the Eagles have all the ammo they need to get a quarterback. Maybe not, because there are now five teams that have multiple first round picks in 2023. The Dolphins have two, the Eagles, the Lions, who are definitely going to need a quarterback and they're going to stink this year. So they're going to those picks are probably going to be pretty good. The Seahawks and the Texans. So like it's not a guarantee that the Eagles can just automatically move up to get a quarterback. That's why I loved the fact that they got a 2024 second round pick. Cause to me, that could be the cherry on top of the Sunday that puts the Eagles offer over the top of some of those other teams. Cause I don't know that a ton of teams have extra 2024 picks BLG. Yeah. So this is a great point by you stats. I actually want to write a piece for this on bleeding green nation. Um, so then I can embed the SB nation NFL show. Yeah best episode there is best show there is here in that article a little synergy um yeah so here are the teams stats did you read the teams i did read the teams thanks for listening well here's the yeah, but here are the teams okay but try this on for size here are the teams did you tell me the picks they own no okay so that i want you to rank these for me in terms of what you think will be most favorable in the 2023 nfl draft and isn't this great we're not even at the 22 nfl draft and we're already talking about next year mm -hmm. uh, but it's significant uh the, so the eagles own the saints first round pick so you're looking at the saints the texans have the browns first round pick the seahawks have the broncos first round pick the lions have the rams first round pick and then the Dolphins have your San Francisco 49ers first round picks. Like, how would you rank those in terms of like most favorable first round pick to have? Because I think you can make the argument the Eagles might have the best or like most favorable pick from that group. It's, if it's not the Eagles, it's the Dolphins. But mm -hmm. I think Philly wins because I think the Saints are going to be bad. I, Catherine was much more optimistic about them than I am. Again, I, I, it's a Big Mac without the secret sauce. Like you, I don't think it's going to work there. I really, really don't. I think they're going to be terrible. Uh, the mm -hmm. 49ers could be bad because we have no idea what Trey Lance is going to be. But last year, they didn't get great quarterback play, and that pick still ended up being 29 in the first round. So the Eagles are probably sitting pretty for 2023. So, yeah, I, I have to agree with that analysis by you. Um, so, yeah, and in addition to the – because you mentioned the 2024 pick, too. I just wanted to mention that uh, you still have to worry about the Giants, I think. They don't have the pick in 2023 yet, but, like, I, I'm – I'm convinced stats they're going to trade out of that either number five or number seven and pick up a 2023 first because they can, they have those picks. And I think a team could come up for a quarterback, especially you're looking at Carolina there at number six. I think it's like a lock that they're trying to get Kenny Pickett at that spot. So if you want Kenny Pickett, 
um, or you're worried maybe they're going to take Malik Willis instead. Like you have to get the five and get ahead of them. So I think the Giants might be in that mix next year. And then looking at some of the other picks that these teams have, you have to consider the Seahawks have an extra 20, 23 second. So that's even more, you know, uh, soon than the Eagles 2024 second from the Saints. And then the Texans also have the 2023 third and a 2024 first still. So the Texans and Seahawks, the point being here is like, they're still pretty strong contenders too, even if those like the picks from Denver and Cleveland, which I also think Cleveland is in the mix there for most favorable pick, especially let's say Watson's getting suspended and the vibes are just terrible there and everything kind of goes to hell in a handbasket. Like, I don't think that's impossible. Um, so Not I definitely, Cleveland, no, that's no, right. Possible. So I, I think that's another, you know, thing you can consider there. I think Denver and the Rams, you know, tend to project a little bit stronger, uh, but it's interesting. It's interesting to think like, and going back to your point, like what are the saints left with? I mean, they lost Teron Armstead this off season. They lost Malcolm Jenkins, who, is was older sure but like he's an incredibly important leader uh and they signed marcus may i think that's an interesting signing for them but he's coming off injury you don't and he's 29 you don't know how that's going to go um you look at the quarterback situation Jameis, sure did he play well before getting hurt last year he did he played the best football of his career is that going to hold up especially as he's coming off a torn acl and mcl wasn't just like you know i think a regular tear it was a little bit worse than that and even if you're like optimistic about Jameis. Where are you putting him in the NFC quarterback? Like if you're ranking all the NFC quarterbacks, like where are you putting him? Because I did a, a, a kind of like a rudimentary version of mine and I have him in like the bottom four. And I think you could maybe put him over Marcus Mariota, who I have him under, but like, okay, then he's still bottom five. Like that's the kind of quarterback you're talking about here. Yeah. He, he, the problem is he can hurt you as much as he helps you. He is capable of making some incredible throws where you're like, damn, that's why this guy was the first overall draft pick. but. He can also make some throws where you're like, damn, this guy belongs in the AAF. Like just uh, just ridiculous. Like, what the hell is he thinking type plays? And so as long as you do that and you do it as frequently as Jameis does it, and he's done it a lot in his career, the the best you can be is a middle of the of the road quarterback because you just hurt your team too many times. Turnovers are too important. So, yeah, I mean, I don't even in a weaker NFC, he's he's middle of the pack at best. I should mention that Tom Brady also unretired and is still in that division. So the Bucks, you know, still looking pretty favorable at the top there. The Panthers are pretty bad. Um, and I think they're in a rough spot. So I can see the Saints being better than them. Uh, and then the Falcons, eh, they, I could also see the Saints being better than them, but maybe a little bit closer. I don't feel necessarily that division great. is so bad. It's it's not great. <laughs> other than, you know, the Bucks again, who yes. I think will be, okay with Tom Brady there um so I have the Saints as one of the biggest losers from this trade I think we have to talk about the Jalen Hurts aspects that's yes. because uh to me I, I see people out there Jalen Hurts maybe fans even being like well the Eagles would make this deal even if they felt great about their quarterback and I understand where that comes from that it's like such a no-brainer kind of deal that yeah you love the deal but why is Howie Roseman talking to other teams and trying to get a 2023 first it's not just because like the reasoning that people want to say, oh, they want to spread out the contracts, which I didn't even hear a lot of people saying before the trade has become this big talking point after the fact. Like the reason why Howie made the move down from 12 to six last year to get the Dolphins first round pick this year in 2022. And the reason why he's making this deal, the reason why like the impetus, why he's going out there and talking to other GMs is like, hey, there's uncertainty at quarterback for us. 
and I need to get that asset in case it doesn't work out. It doesn't mean he thinks Jalen Hurts is definitely going to be a failure, but like they're pretty, they think it there's a pretty realistic chance. It means he's not sold. It means he definitely doesn't think he's the guy. I mean, think about the quarterbacks that I've seen Hurts compared to. I don't compare him to these guys, but I've seen him compared to from some of his biggest supporters like Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson. Like, were the Ravens and Bills like, hedging their bet at any point on those quarterbacks? No, they were all in. And that my point here is, yes, like, you make the deal. It's a smart deal, kind of regardless of who your quarterback is. But you didn't have to make a deal that doesn't really help the team this year because this trade doesn't really boost, you know, the 2022 team. It doesn't really maximize Jalen Hurts at all. And let's say you had Justin Herbert instead of Jalen Hurts. Would the Eagles be making this trade? I think they might be in a spot where they're actually using those picks to maybe, let's say, trade for DK Metcalf or try to land Tyreek Hill. Like they could have been more aggressive about more win now moves if they truly believed in the quarterback now. They don't. They're in this weird spot where they're kind of hedging. And again, I don't think they've ruled out Jalen Hurts as their long-term answer, but I think they think there's I think they think it's more likely than not that he is not their guy. I don't see how you could see it any other way. I actually had Hertz as one of the losers of this trade just because I feel like, look, they've got their parachute now. They've got their insurance policy. So the second Jalen Hurts starts to struggle a little bit next year, I feel like they're going to be like, well, okay, he's not the guy. You know, don't worry. We got a backup plan in place. We're good. Like, I almost feel like he doesn't even get the full evaluation because they've already planned for how they're going to replace him. And I, I, I like Jalen Hurts. I like him as a guy. I like him as a football player. I really do. I just, I don't think he is the franchise guy for the next 10 to 15 years for the team. And it stinks for him. But to me, I have to have him as a loser of this deal. I think another underrated thing to consider about the Jalen Hurts dynamic is he will be eligible for a contract extension as soon as the end of the 2022 season. And I think this is me speculating here, but I think, I might have a good pulse on this is that because of all the lack of commitment there's been to Jalen Hurts throughout, you know, since dating back to last year with the Deshaun Watson rumors, the Russell Wilson rumors, all the talk of this trade and like being ready to move on from him. I'm like, I feel pretty good about his camp coming at the Eagles hard after next season being like, Hey, we want this hammered out. We want the deal now because there's been all this kind of like wishy-washiness. We want to see that commitment or else like move on. I feel like there's going to be a lot of pressure coming from his camp, and it doesn't mean the Eagles necessarily need to bend to that, but I think there's going to be a lot of pressure from his camp as soon as next year. So, I mean, this kind of doesn't really change the equation. I think it it goes with what we're saying, and 2022 is really this kind of really big make-or-break year for him, but I think it it really just hammers that home. Like, this is a one-year trial at this point. Like, he has to really step up. I don't think it's – it's not like, well, he made some more steps that were in a positive way. It's like, no. Like, he has to either be the guy or he's not. Yeah, I agree. Pooper, get off the pot uh, for lack of from both sides. Like you're saying, Jalen's side is going to say, hey, commit to me if I'm the guy. And the Eagles are going to say, prove without a shadow of a doubt you are the guy or that's not good enough. So both sides are in that court sort of uh, a situation there for the Eagles and everything goes into the pot. I agree. Like people make it seem like players are not going to remember this. And what I mean is. Like 49ers are supposedly negotiating an extension with Debo Samuel. They don't have one yet. Supposedly, you know, Debo has been tweeting kind of cryptic things that he claims are not about football. Who knows? We'll see. But they still don't have a deal now. And the longer it takes, the worse it goes. And maybe they eventually reach a deal, but maybe not. Like 
guys remember how you treat them in these situations. And I feel like the same thing could happen with Jalen Hurts where he's like, look, you guys never, you never were all in on me. I was always like the fallback type of plan. And I could see why he would be like, you know what? There's 31 other teams. Maybe somebody else out there thinks I am that guy and I want to go find out. Uh, yes, but for now, uh, well, uh, almost a winner of the trade because this might further secure his position this year and kind of further rule out the Eagles from taking a quarterback. Like, uh, I don't think they're going to move up at this point. Never. I don't think anyone thought that was especially likely anyway, but in the big picture, I think Jalen Hurts would be a loser of this trade. I also wanted to put Jameis Winston down as a loser of this trade because, like I just said, he's coming off an ACL and an MCL, and maybe I'm wrong, um, but I feel like this move up to get this extra first-round pick kind of signals to me they might want to get a passer this year or draft someone. And if that happens, that doesn't necessarily mean that player will start right away over Jameis, but the clock is ticking on Jameis at that point, and he would have to play really well again kind of like he was on pace for last year to in order to maintain that job. Do you agree with that? Yeah, oh, totally. I think that, like Catherine said, it's only a two-year deal. If they really thought that Jameis could be the guy, you would lock him up, right? It'd be the perfect time to lock him up. He's coming off an injury. Maybe you can get him to commit to a bunch of years for, for not, you know, a below-market cost because he's damaged goods. But they didn't do that. They went two-year deal. Like, if Jameis plays really well next year, I could easily see him being like, hey, I want more money. So, like, I don't think they're committed to him in any way, shape, form, or fashion. This trade proves it. And, you know, like, if they wanted Malik Willis, let's say, right? Mm -hmm. Isn't this the perfect scenario? Now they draft Malik Willis. They have Jameis play the whole year. You can have Malik sit on the bench and learn. You know, everybody says that he's very raw and he's going to need time. Well, there you go. This is the perfect scenario for it. So, I agree. If I'm Jameis Winston, I'm renting, not buying in New Orleans. And I wonder where they can trade up to now, I guess, from having number 16 and 19. Um, like I wonder how far they can get up to if they if they want Malik Willis. Um, maybe that's like that's what I'm thinking they might be doing something like that. Or maybe Desmond Ritter. They're going to have to go that high to get him. Like, you don't think they can get him where they are? I don't know. It's tough. It's tough to say with this quarterback. I think the Steelers, you know, everyone has had kind of had him going there at 20 mm -hmm. and maybe the Steelers will be willing to move up. So maybe this is like a preemptive move, a proactive action by the Saints to kind of prevent that from happening. If they kind of get the sense that the Steelers are going to make this move up, that they're in better position to do that. So that's part of the fun of speculating about the draft. Uh, I think it's possible. Um Winners, another winner that I have. Hold on. Oh, sorry. Before yeah, you get there, because there's a point off this, because Catherine mentioned it too. If that's the case, if you're the Saints, why do this deal now? Because you're just sending a signal to the Steelers and to anybody else like, hey, if you want, you know, player X, now you know exactly where you have to go. What, you know, you, you know, you got to get ahead of them. So the timing on this, if, if they really are trading up for a quarterback, to me, I feel like it's kind of crazy to do it this early. Like when the Niners did it for Trey Lance, it was early too, but there was nobody else that could that could leapfrog that because everybody knew the Jets were taking Wilson at two. And so the Niners went right after at three in order to get their guy. But that's not what's happening here with the Saints. So if somebody does want Malik Willis or somebody, they have plenty of time to leapfrog them. Yeah, and that's a fair point. Um, I would say you could 
but the Eagles, you know, again, they moved up from 13 to eight. And a lot of people could have said at the time, why did they do that? Because they did that back in like March. They traded Byron Maxwell and Kiko mm-hmm. Alonso to the Dolphins. And they ultimately ended up being able to move to number two. So it worked out for them. And I don't know that the Saints are necessarily going that high. And they, I don't know if they need to. But I, I don't necessarily have a huge issue with the timing. I get your point. I think it's possible, though, that they could be talking to a team that was like, hey, you for us to have like real conversations you have to get that extra first round pick like we're not even really you know like seriously engage with you until you take this first step and then once you bring that to the table okay then we can talk and maybe we can iron something out here so again it might be a multi-step thing um if not i i just don't i I don't really get the trade from their side (laughs) but uh that's fine because as another winner of this trade stats are Eagle Sands, who oh, last yeah. year was great for Eagle Sands, not even because anything that had to do really with the Philadelphia Eagles. I mean, sure, you know, they made the playoffs, they got in, they got housed in the first round. So congrats, uh, <laughs> Howie Roseman and the Eagles love to tout making the playoffs in four out of the five years when their most recent playoff appearance was just getting blown out. Like, what an accomplishment. Anyway, uh, that isn't even the best part of the Eagles 2021 season by any means. It was getting to root against the Colts and mm-hmm. seeing Carson Wentz melt down. It was getting to root against the Dolphins. And obviously it was kind of a bummer how, you know, they came back towards the end of the year, but still uh, ultimately getting to root for them to not make the playoffs at the least and get a decent pick at number 15. Um, among other things, rooting against the Cowboys and, you know, the usual stuff you do in division all year. I guys kind of was kind of hinting at with Catherine. Uh, I feel like Eagle Saints is a low key rivalry, maybe not always from like a national perspective that like people really understand that maybe even you understand stats, but kind of going back to the Super Bowl run that the Eagles went on and Alvin Kamara saying that the Eagles uh, or sorry, the Saints would have quote beat the S out of the Eagles if they had not lost it's like <laughs> it the that. biggest loser thing to ever say like if they had not you know that if the minnesota miracle didn't happen um and after that there was like the saints players were uh wearing the ski mask which the eagles were doing and calling the eagles frauds so there's been like a whole lot of bad blood sean payton who you love stats back in <laughs> 2014 when the eagles played the saints in the playoffs uh in the 2014 playoffs after the 2013 season he had the Saints buses do victory laps around the Eagle Stadium because this is how NFL head coaches work and they're psycho. And <laughs> Sean Payton is a psycho. Um, that like so there's been some bad blood here, is the point. And now Eagles fans who are already generally probably rooting against the Saints have even more reason to root against the Saints. And not only this season in 2022, yeah. again, because they own the 2024 second as well, uh next season in 2023 as well. So uh big winners is the fans because it's great. Like it, it's hard to root for your team because when they lose, it's so crushing. But when you're rooting against another team and they win, it's not great, but it's not as crushing as when your team loses. So a long-winded way of saying Eagles fans are winners in this deal. I absolutely think they are. It's always nice to have kind of the dual narrative, dual storyline type of thing. You had that last year with the Eagles and Carson Wentz. Now you're going to have it this year with the Saints. And you're also going to have it again this year with Carson Wentz because he's back in the division. So, yeah, I know. I totally am down with that from Eagles fans. For me, I, I got to put Saints fans as a loser on this one. Hmm. This deal is really weird to me. I don't get it. You know, I, I liked Catherine's angle of their cap situation is so brutal that they just want to load up on draft picks because that's your cheap labor, right? And so you can get out of it faster if you have more people on your team that are on rookie deals. And so I get that. 
But like you said, the fact that that the impact of this deal is going to be felt beyond this season, beyond next season and into 2024, just to me kind of signals that like the Saints have a long road back from from where they were, you know, and I I know I'm a Saints hater, but I'm just going to point out that like before Sean Payton, the the Saints are most famous for being the Aints, for having the bags over the fans' heads. Like, you had a golden era in New Orleans, and there's nothing, there's no indication that things are just going to continue and still be good. Like, you could go right back to the bad old days if you're the Saints, and I think it's going to be a little while before they have success again. There's uh, some thought out there that the Saints were comfortable with giving up future picks because they can trade Sean Payton as maybe soon as next offseason which I like, I don't really love that because they can. He, they still have his rights, even though he's retired. They still have his rights stats. Yeah, he's under contract mm. technically through I think twenty twenty four. So at least definitely at least through next year. I know they own his rights. Um, so I think that's a little funny because I mean, obviously they have. I'm sure you know their ownership and GM. I'm sure they have a dialogue with Sean Payton, and they kind of have maybe some understanding of where his mindset at is and if he wants to come back. But like. What if he changes his mind? What if he like loves TV or whatever he's doing so much that he's right. like, I don't need to come back to football. I'm making all this money. I'm spending time with my family or golfing or doing whatever I want to do, making my own schedule uh, for the most part. So like, I just think it's silly to like bank on that. Although I guess it's worth bringing. I think they're get for Peyton, and I think the Saints can get something potentially if he does want to come back. And RJ, who I'll be talking about this trade with on the NFC mixtape a little bit later today on, on uh, all the NFCs podcast feeds including bleeding green nation uh he's already his first thing was like you know, you know oh he, he was like he was he was gearing up he's like gearing up for the sean payton trade um so kind of looking beyond just you know these two teams there are some ramifications elsewhere in the league but uh not enough for me to like put the cowboys in like a winner or loser category or anything did the cowboys this, are permanently in the loser category agree uh that, that much <laughs> is understood do you did you have any other teams i guess or any other figures in the league that were potentially impacted by this no i think that's it you know you brought up rj blg and yeah. you were very excited about something ever <laughs> since we did the show last week rj and i did the look ahead and i know you listen and you were slacking me feverishly <laughs> last week because you really liked something that happened with rj in last week's show i just think it's really rich that rj uh has the audacity to talk about Oh, being rent free in the oddcast head and everything, and uh, on his show on Monday Football Monday here in the SB Nation, to talk how uh, they're still doing that podcast, you know, trying to put us down. Stats very uh, un unsportsmanlike of him. I uh, hate to see it, but uh, I think RJ often says things he doesn't fully believe, like how he kind of talked himself into believing Mike McCarthy last season for a little bit, <laughs> uh, and I think sometimes. Uh, isn't it like a Freudian slip when you kind of say what you're actually feeling or something like deep down a little repressed? So I think that's what happened here on The Look Ahead. So I actually wrote something that came out today on Thursday for anyone who's tardy with your listening of the podcast. Oh, wow. wow. Oh, no, RJ. Wow. So RJ, while on The Look Ahead, thought his show was actually called The Oddcast. Hmm. Uh, what do we make of that, Stats? I mean, I think if anybody's in anybody's head free of charge, it's clearly yeah. us in RJ's head. I have never referred to this show as the look ahead. I mean, I think we're his daddy. I think that's pretty clear. 
Oh, I it's hard to disagree. Uh, <laughs> many experts are saying that that is the case. Uh, we know the truth, RJ. You know, look, you're, you're trying to hide it. You're trying to be like, oh, I'm too cool for this. I'm too good for this. You're not. I mean, you're jealous that you're not on the Oddcast each week. And that's why I have to give you, once again, as I do every week, uh, the Oddcast LVP award. That Because you made an award on your Monday show to invent for yourself, to give yourself. Um, although you haven't even won it more than couple times i don't know who, who cares how are she you gonna bag track. on our show and then do the exact same thing we've been doing all year like, right come on bad form i'm gonna take it up with him this week well we'll get to the bottom of it i promise you nice all right that's gonna do it for this edition of the off day debrief again rate review and follow the sb nation nfl show if you already follow us thank you we're grateful for your support but if you haven't left a review please just take an extra couple seconds Drop us a five-star rating and a review. It really, really does help. And I promise you, if you do, we will read it on the show. BLG, I'm happy for you. It's nice to see a smile on your face. Your Eagles are making moves. I hope it continues. I want to see you a happy football fan this fall. Got to make the right pick stats. You know, you, it's what like I said when the Eagles traded down from uh, and picked up Miami's first round pick last year. I said, it's a good move, but you got to make the picks. It doesn't mean the process was good. Let's be clear. I give the Eagles like an A plus for the process and the positioning. They did that part, but now let's actually make some good picks here. That's only half the battle. You're right. You can call a good play, but if your quarterback can't throw the damn ball, it doesn't really matter. And I know that from hard, hard experience. Enjoy your Tuesday, everybody. We'll talk to you next week.